Yesterday, I am joined by CNBC Sports Business Reporter, Javari Young. Javari, what's going on? John, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me on, on the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely an honor, you know what I'm saying, because uh, and looking at your profile, when you first contacted me, I, I was looking, I was like, man, Bob Ryan on the show and all these greats, man. <laughs> how, how could I say no? Who the hell am I? You know, who, who the Bob, hell am I? Bob is so cool. I thank you for doing me, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Bob is cool. Bob is so cool. We've been on any panel, I believe, I believe five times now. Like we we've begun a friendship. He, he's cool and he's so knowledgeable, man. I love talking to Bob all the yeah, time. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How are things going over at CNBC for you? You know what, man? It's going well. You know, um, you know, full transparency. You know, before we started the podcast, obviously, you know, me and you kind of giving a, a, a talk about life and. Right. You know, when you're able to view it from that perspective, getting up every single day, man, and, and being able to cover uh, sports business, yeah. which I thoroughly enjoy. You know, I I, I want to complain about a lot of things, but I, I really can't, you know. So right. You keep it in perspective, man, and, uh, you know, I, I can't really, you know, uh, say that it's going bad for me, man. I'm, I'm having fun doing what I do and, uh, again, being able to see another day. Right. Like I always say, if you love what you do, it's never a job. <laughs> it's never Yeah, a job. most definitely. I don't even call it that, man. I call it a crime. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like my craft. You know, um, you know, I look up every single day and like, you know, how can I get better at the craft? You know, it keeps me up ten, eleven o'clock, you know, ten, eleven hours a day, but it's yes. fun. You know what I'm saying? When you, even when you, you look up, you have at six AM in the morning and then you look up like, damn, it's nine o'clock, my whole apartment is dark, ain't no light on, I'm sitting in front of my computer reading, you know what I mean, on terminologies and things. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy it. Yes, I love doing this. I love booking guests, I love having people on any channel as yourself. I love networking. I love giving people a lot of voice than they have. That's what my platform is about. On my way to my journey to be any panel the best it can be. Constant work in progress. <laughs> Constant work. Yeah. Constant work. So I so saw your background with the temple. I love I started covering Carver Temple a few years ago. I was able to cover on Fran Dumfries years this last year and now Eric Key is taking over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love, I miss the Alice Ryan Media Room so much, man. I used to walk on Temple's campus and you get a, you just get a, like a, a sense of it's a family. I can't right. say it's about too many places I've been. Talk about your own time at Temple, because I know I love covering the team. You have like a full experience. You know what, man? I, I, it's so funny. I never <laughs> covered the basketball team. I wanted to, uh, but uh, my first year in Temple, I, I came from community college. I was a knucklehead in high school, man. I was doing more right. talking than, than studying, so. Right. You know, I had to start at community college and, you know, I had to go through my learning lessons and ups and downs in life there, right? So, right. you right. know, that led me to Temple in 2006, 2005, somewhere around there. And, right. you know, you get on campus and, you know, you, I'm trying to get hurry up and get out. You know, I see the world. I see guys like Stephen A., you know, and, and dudes that, you know, are in the business. And, you know, I want a piece of it, man. I'm hungry. Right. You know, so uh, I went there and I tried to get to, to cover the team. But, you know, covering the Temple basketball team, that's like the best sport that they have there, right? So, um, you know, obviously it was a whole bunch of people in front of me. I thought I could do the job, but I had to pay my dues to too. So I had to cover tennis right. and field hockey and things right. like that. And I finally did get a chance to a taste of it when uh, through, through a friend, uh, I was able to talk to Aaron McKee about Fran Dunphy taking the job to replace John Cheney. And that got me on, a, like, a, one of the, the, the top pages of the sports newspaper. And so from there, okay. man, you know, you just kind okay. of, you know, build your confidence along the years and, uh, you know, go right. from there. But, I mean, you know, it was, cover, it was fun covering those other sports. You know, I think anybody can cover basketball. Everybody always wants to cover the top, right, basketball, football, baseball in some, in some circles, and even hockey. Right. Um, but, you know, 
covering field hockey and covering those other high school sports, it, it really taught you the benefit of relationships and knowing people um, and getting out of your comfort zone. So, you know, I, right. I, looking back on it, I was happy that maybe I didn't cover Temple basketball right away, that I had to pay my dues in other areas because it challenges you. You know, I can get mad and be like, oh, are you ain't going to let me cover the team? I don't want to do it then, you know, and but you right. just, you got to kind of just rise to the occasion. Definitely. Yeah, I was able to also cover Aaron Key's first year, and of course, then COVID came. But I think he's going to do a great job over there. I mean, he's working with, he has some great athletes over there, some A list athletes. I think Tim was going to do a great job. I was I was able to uh, meet up with John Cheney before he unfortunately passed away, but that left a huge hole when John Cheney passed away. Yeah, man, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I was able to talk to a good friend of mine um, who works at the Philadelphia Tribune, one of the places I kind of helped you know, that helped mold me. And, right. you know, he was very close to John Cheney. You know, he's written books, and, and, and John and him kept in touch over the years. And, you know, so I, I reached out to him. I know how devastated he probably was because, you know, and when you're doing this business long enough, man, you know, you obviously want to look at the people who you cover, the coaches and players. Right. Matt. You look at them as subjects, but they become friends, you know. Right. And the friendship, the human element side, you know, I, I just knew that he was kind of affected. So, you know, it was good to hear stories about John. I never got a chance to cover him. I wanted yeah. to again, but when I first got to Temple, you know, he was retiring. So right. um, I got my lesson through Greg Popovich. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I've always wanted to cover a dude like John Taney because, you know, the greats of him, right. the John Smallwoods of the world, Stephen A. again, um, you know, the great Mike Brutens, you know, the, the Elmer Smiths, all of the, the, the columnists and the people who I grew up reading and learning from, they all went through John Cheney University, right? You know, Temple right. University. I call it John Cheney University. Uh, but they, they, they were able to experience him, and, and I think it made them better writers. So I always wanted that taste, uh, but, you know, you know, I wasn't able to do it. But what do you remember most and took away from your experience at Temple? What do you remember most about it? Man, that was a blur. <laughs> um, I, you know what, man? I wanted I wanted to get in and get out. You know, I, I saw the life I wanted, and I, I saw yeah, the career you. that I wanted. And so, you know, I I didn't party. I didn't do anything. I wanted to join a fraternity, but I, I just didn't have the opportunity. Um, you know, and I, and I had new – listen, I had almost swamped out of community college, you know, and right. so that forced me to take a, a, a bit of a break and kind of reexamine, like, yo, do I want to do the schooling thing? What did I want to do? And I, I was right. up at a car dealership mopping and cleaning floors, and I'm like, oh, this ain't it. You know, yeah, I, I got to get back process. to school. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and going back to community <laughs> college, man, back in, in 2005-ish, yeah, that 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 just kind of motivated me, man. And I was in and out of that thing in like a year, went to Temple, and I'm like, yo, I'm not making the same mistakes I did at Temple. I mean, at community, I'm going to stay focused. And I just got into the books, man, and I just went straight through. Right. I'm trying to set up, well, I should be covering team and play basketball, hopefully this year, on COVID for a bit, COVID. COVID allows, <laughs> but I, I might be able to over on Gordon Popovich. How was your time covering Gordon Popovich and the Spurs? Uh, it, it was, listen, man, it, 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 that, you know, Stephen A. and those dudes had an opportunity to cover John Cheney, um, yeah. and, and, and I, I, I covered Greg Popovich, you know, and I, I'm sure they, they covered him from afar, but right. that was my lesson. You know, he forces you to be prepared. He forces you to uh, and he doesn't force you, but he's like a college professor. You know, he's going to give you what he gives you, and it's up to you to make the best of it, right? And so, got you, got you know, but, he, but in a way, he forces you to be prepared because if you want something good from him, like a quote, which is what we live for, right. um, you know, and, and information, um, and, and, and better than all of that, man, perspective, 
you know, you had to come correct, right? And so I always right. wanted the best perspective on Pop because, you know, if Pop gave you good perspective, a guy in a basketball mind <clears> like that who's seen it all, you knew it was going to be great. And so some of my best articles was because Greg Popovich set me up, you know, right. with the perfect quote, and I right. just kind of took it home, you know. And so covering a Hall of Fame guy like that, being around a Hall of Fame crew, as far as the the writers that were there, the great Mike Monroe and Buck Harvey and those dudes, you know, they, they taught me a lot. And so it wasn't just pop, right. it was that whole experience in San Antonio. It's that city dearly. It took me, you know, I, I moved down there when I was 30, and so most of my 30s was spent there, and it, it really – you know, turned me into a, a man, right, and, and a writer uh, and, right. and a better journalist. And so, uh, you know, the Spurs don't give you any shortcuts. They make you earn it. Right. You know, you got to have that perspective. If you think you're going to come in here with the Philly or the New York-type media mindset, you right. know, you're going to get humbled. And I, I thought I did. And, um, you know, luckily I remember uh, sitting on the bench with R.C. Buford, the Spurs GM down there, and, you know, I went to ask him, you know, my, I'm cocky at the time, you know, I'm thinking I'm this Philly cat, you know, you ain't going to, you ain't, you ain't, I know y'all right. Spurs, but y'all ain't going to chump me, you right. know, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I kept over-talking him, you know, and, and you know, yeah. he would answer, says, you know, I'd be like, yeah, man, but come on, and he would say, I'm trying to give you some information if you just shut the hell up, <laughs> and at that point, I was like, all right, all right, you know, and, and so, you know, and then over the years, you just kind of learn how to turn that and, and shut the hell up and let them do the talking, and then you turn what they say into perspective, and I think, you know, that, that kind of helped, you know, me grow as a journalist. Right, definitely. Yes, the NBA created NBA bubble last season to set us up, to set us up for this year. Can you go into, well, there, was, there was always financial ramifications of the season not being completed last season, which set up this season, as I said. What do you think would happen if the NBA didn't see this last season in the bubble and how it would affect Because there, there was always talk about the CBA being affected and, of course, TV rights and just what, what in, your, in your thoughts, what were the ramifications of the season not being completed last season? Man, uh, you know, it would have been a lot of money lost. You know, I mean, that's just cut straight to the chase. It's business at the end of the day. You know, the NBA, I think, we look at sports leagues, and I know I have, it's just this thing, right? It's a product and everything. But, you know, being in the position I am here at, at the job, you know, the craft that I have now, it's just right. covering the sports business angle of it. And so, you know, you understand just how much money is at stake when these games don't get played. You know, it's, right. the television, the television revenue alone is what drives a lot of these leagues. And so... Yes. You know, it's no different than if you hire somebody to come fix your house and they caught a cold and, you know, they say, yo, man, I ain't going to be able to finish. And you'd be like, yo, I I paid you (laughs) full price. Give me my money back. I want half. You know, (laughs) I I had to do that before, you know, back, back. And so, um, you know, it's just like that. You know, it's it's, it's cut and clean, man. If if the NBA doesn't play now, of course, you know, sports relationships are everything. So, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if it goes like that. But, I mean, the, the networks have a right to ask for their money back, right, the NBA. And then because they're, the networks are on the hook. Remember, it ain't like the, the networks have just got this bank and they, and they just printing out money. Nah, they, they got to sell these, these this, the, the programming or the ads around the NBA content. So when right. the NBA sells their rights to content to ESPN and Turner, they then sell those the, the, the rights around that, the ad rights around it to the marketers, to the, the Papa Johns right. of the world, to the Verizons of the world. And that's where the money comes from, you know what I mean? And, and it's the marketers, you know, who, who put all this money in because I shouldn't say that's where the money comes from. You as the consumer 
purchase these things from the marketer, and then they want to get you to purchase more, and so they purchase things that they, you know, uh, brand and, and advertisements around things that you watch, which are what right. commercials and 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 all of that. So you know, it's, it's, it's no, they don't if if you, they don't get their money's worth, uh, they don't pay the networks. The networks don't pay the leagues. The leagues don't right. pay the players. The teams don't pay the employees. The sports writers lose jobs. Everybody's messed up. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. its own economy now. Uh, and so to get back to your original question, if they don't play, you saw what happens to that economy. It gets crippled. You know, there were jobs lost. There were players who have to yes. take pay cuts. Uh, there were ads who you got to do make the goods. And that's when the network's got to give those ad marketers those free advertising spots on other programming, which costs them money because that's programming they can't sell. Uh, yes. That's one of the things why you had an all-star game has to be played because if the all-star game don't get played and the people who bought those ads, well, those ads gets moved over to March Madness. And now you got Turner and C, not Turner Sports, at least they, they've given free ads around March Madness, which is a huge <laughs> revenue thing for them, right? Right, so, you know, right. Nobody, no, nobody wants all of that money to get lost, and some of it, a lot of it did get lost, which, again, you know, affected a lot of people. But if they don't play, it would have affected even more people. And, you know, who's to say I might have been one of them? Yeah, it was a lot of jobs lost last year. It was crazy. Some high-profile journalists lost their jobs. It was a crazy impact, crazy impact. Yeah. Another another way that COVID is impacting the game is no fans at the game. That's affected ticket, ticket revenue. I mean, New York was a hot spot, but now the Nets are talking about they don't allow fans back at 10% capacity, I believe. I mean, we had go to the awards talking about we'll pay for everyone there to get a COVID test because <laughs> they know how much money <laughs> they make. I mean, they have big con city, so they got a lot of money coming in anyway. But some teams can't do that. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, the, the, the Knicks, I mean, on the Nets, I should say, the whole New York marketplace, let me put it that you know, it was only a matter of time, you know, I, to kind of swing it back to a, a personal note, you know, my school, my daughter is going back to school and, you know, we get a note that says, you know, hey, listen, we're going to open back up, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, you know, I had spoken to my aunt who's a teacher in, in Texas and right. she says she's been in school since August, right? So, you know, you got to get to a place where you have to start to transition out of this. It's here. Yeah. I don't think COVID is going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's going to be the equivalent of a flu shot. Hey, flu shot, COVID shot, you know, and right. that's that's what it's going to be, at least until we get, you know, up to a place where maybe we can eliminate it. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, the flu has been around for how long? Um, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> right. now you got new variants of COVID. I, so I feel like it's not going anywhere, you know. So, right. um, and, and until they find an absolute cure for it, I, I should say, uh, and then you're going to have skepticism around that, but you you have to be able to transition out of it and, and get back to some sort of sense of what the new normal, the new different is going to be. Nothing's going right. to be ever normal again. So, you know, California obviously is a little bit of strict because I know they had their outbreak and they kind of had a, a, a increase and in uptick. So I mean, I mean, they were on the shutdown too. And so right. I understand why those you know officials out there are trying to play it safe, but and. And in, in, in the United States, it's all, you know, it's a trend. You know, once one market does it, the other one's going to do it. Texas has been open. Right. Florida has been open. <laughs> Hell, Atlanta is open. I mean, Atlanta must be doing something with the numbers because they down, they got the club. They have right. Atlanta, you know what I mean? Like, so, right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, but, again, you get to a place where you got to transition out of it. And I think, you know, uh, these sports teams can't 
survive losing 40% of their revenue. Uh, they need to right. start having people come back. They need to start getting people used to wanting to be there again, and that takes time, and, and you have to start somewhere. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how New York fares. But, you know, I, in talking to epidemiologists, I don't think the arenas and the stadiums are as big of a threat as we knew. Like, we knew a lot when COVID. We didn't know anything a lot when COVID hit. I think right. we learned so much over the last year. I think people are more diligent. I think the, you know, uh, you know maybe the, the new administration comes and there's a different tone and, you know, we can start to get to a place where people are more diligent with wearing masks and keeping yourself right. clean. And to swing it back to my person, my daughter wants to go back to school, and I trust that, you know, she when she gets back there, she'll do what she needs to do to make sure that she's clean, and she's stepping. Uh, right. And so I, I think that, you know, you have to – listen, we can go to the market, right? We can go out to eat at the dining, you know what I mean, capacity and, and things of such. Right. I, I can't see why you can't allow a bigger arena, right, a bigger place uh, to open and, and try to have some sense of revenue coming in to – uh, again, save jobs because the longer this thing goes, the more people that, you know, can't get into those places to be at concession stands, the ushers, the cleaning crew, you know, it, it trickles down, you know, and then obviously you, more trains run because people want to go to the game. So you got transportation right. runs, man. Sports is a, is a big, huge part of the U.S. economy, and, and we see that firsthand. Right. The NBA alpha, alphas, the LeBron, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, their impact on league finances, it's crazy. It's huge because we don't know as they switch teams, money goes to those markets that they switch to. Like revenue for that certain team, arena ticket sales, team jersey sales, also down to the arena workers. I mean, we saw what happened to impact LeBron James left on Cleveland. First time he left Cleveland to go to Miami, it hurt <laughs> Cleveland so bad. They lost business. I mean, of course, they started losing. We're back to the, to the um, lottery again. But his financial impact alone as a brand is ridiculous. Can you speak on certain players like him and the impact they bring to the NBA financially? Well, I mean, listen, uh, they they bring impact financially to the NBA, uh, to themselves, you know, um, and, yeah. and to the to the people around them, um, you know. And but but it's no different than what do you know people have done before them. You know, I, I just think that you, you talk about just Steph and LeBron. Michael Jordan, you know, go back before yeah. that, Kobe, you yeah. know, it's the fact that David Stern helped build a league that is so global. And remember, these guys are not baseball players. Baseball players, usually they usually kind of live by that team element. Those dudes play so many games. It's not really a lot of time for them to really go out and do branding things. Uh, right. And they're just not that's that guy. You know, they, they, you know, I know MLB has been trying for the longest time to – get more marketing around their top star players. And, I, I, you know, the home run race with Sammy and McGuire, as, as tainted as it was, that helped the sport. But it's right. a different dynamic that helps MLB thrive. NFL is just the teams, right? It's the teams, the coaches, and, and, you know, the quarterbacks. Everybody else, you know, they wear helmets, and it's hard to identify these guys. Right. NHL is a cult and, and has in a world of its own. NBA is the only sport that you can look and say these dudes are not only good, but it's global. I mean, look how many regions, look how many, uh, you know, uh, continents play the the game of basketball. Look how many countries yes. play the game of basketball. I mean, it, 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 way more than football, right? Football yes. is just is still trying to, listen, they're trying to grow and, and, and maybe expand throughout, you know, the, the U.K. And, in, and even in opening Canada, you know, they got – problems that they got to, you know, I don't necessarily know if they, if global will ever be their thing. 
But, right. you know, baseball, you know, they, they've kind of gotten into it when they entered the World Baseball Classic to kind of get, you know, more familiarity around their, their particular league. And baseball is a well-known sport, especially, you know, throughout the Hispanic culture, Japan and, and Asian uh, culture plays it as well. Um, right. But basketball, though, man, everybody plays basketball. You yes. know, India is loving to play basketball. Uh, you know, obviously in Africa, they got their own basketball league there now. Yes. Um, and, and so it goes back to the global impact of the game. You know, very few sports can say that they have billion-dollar deals on the line with uh, the likes of China uh, and, and around the world. You know, uh, David Stern saw beyond just the United States when it came to uh, how to grow the league, and he went right. international. And you see that paying off. Uh, big time right now uh, for, for right. guys like LeBron and, and Steph Curry. So, you know, they are the beneficiaries, no doubt, but I think it was the David Stearns of the world and the, the people who helped build that because, remember, yes. uh, he as hated as he may be, you know, and I admire him, man. David Stearns was the guy who bet on the NBA, bet on black faces. Uh, right. that they were going to get a piece of the sports landscape, and he was right. Yes, definitely. One of the league's best owners, Mark Cuban, turned some heads because of the national anthem. He stopped, he stopped playing it before the games. Now the NBA came out and said they're going to mandate it since fans are coming back into the arena. But it's just now making news a little bit. But I believe he's been doing this for the last 10 or 13 games, I believe. So no one noticed until now. Like it's, <laughs> and I'm saying some players don't want – some players don't mind not being played because it still doesn't apply to them because some of the social injustice still going on. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tricky subject. You know, um, uh, you've got to look at it from a business element and a human element. And the human element is first to start off because we are humans at the first at the end of the day is that right. you know, there's a lot of sensitivity around the national anthem. And, what it, and, and, and obviously we understand, you know, where it stems from, you know, Colin Kaepernick. I remember David West was saying how he used to stand behind the national anthem line. Nobody noticed it until it became a big thing. Right. You know, right. so, you know, uh, I forget his name, but the, uh, the Muslim player back in the day, the NBA, uh, Muhammad. Uh, what did I do, Raouf? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember, yeah. you know, his his, his uh, issues with the national anthem, and so yeah, um, you know, it, it stems. It's not a, a today or a last year problem, a 2020 problem. It's, it's it's way deeper than that. And obviously, Colin brought some national exposure to it, but there were people that was doing it. Before Colin, that you know, obviously felt yeah. by the way, go all the way back to the Olympics. You know what I mean? And um, not that, that that was a national anthem moment, but I mean that was a moment. You know, um, so it, it's it's such a sensitive thing that you you understand why people feel a way about it. And I think Mark Cuban right. obviously <clears throat> saw that. You know, looking at it from a businessman, hey, listen, this is the issue that's dividing my consumer, right? So right. let me just eliminate the issue. I get it. Uh, Adam Silver says, no, you upset corporate sponsors, you know, when we do stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> right. and, you know, and, and, and that's the business side. You know, the business side is, is that not every person is going to agree with what Mark Cuban tried to implement. And you do have a certain consumer, a certain corporate sponsor that if they don't agree with that, then they pull their dollars. So you get hit, you know, so I, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a double-edged sword, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's best to remain neutral. And the way that sports have operated is their neutral is we play the national anthem. Um, right. It's brought them to their current valuations of billions of dollars of work with their teams are worth. 
and and it's a part of you know the landscape of what sports is. And I know people have their own opinion about it. The national anthem is should be even played at games, and you know it, it doesn't even matter. Right. It, it may, it may not. But the thing is, it, it has a history, and you don't upset history, and you don't disturb. I think the Supreme Court, you know, they don't change laws like it. It has to be something really, really, really convincing because their motto is, you know, you, if a law was set, you know, you don't disturb the the undisturbed. You know, you don't right. disturb something that was before. So that history, the National Anthem came long before any of this, you know, uh, what an owner would try to do, what any player would try to do. And so there are people that, had, you know, honor that history. I respect that. You know, I'm not saying if I disagree with it or disagree with it. I mean, it is what it is. You know, and, and from a business landscape, a business win, it may not be the smartest move to try to ban the national anthem from your sporting product, and obviously the NBA is going along with that narrative. Right. Yeah, the NBA is implementing constant protocols for this for COVID. I mean, some of the protocols they implemented sometimes it makes sense, but I believe this is doing it to make the game better. Like they said, some of the guys can't shake hands after the game for observancy. Some players are still doing it. I mean, because these players around each other all game or trusting the on each other contesting shots. I mean, you can't handshake and sweat at the game, but then the game you just sweated with forty five minutes playing basketball with I don't think that's gonna make a difference. I mean we had this situation with Kevin Durant where he was allowed to play, got taken out at like halfway through. And like he he's now in isolation for until Friday I believe. But he was around the whole team and went on the court. So I'm like, why didn't he like stop the game or the rest of the Nets have to be in, like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. that way. Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, uh, we've learned a lot. You know, we just said how much we've learned over the last year with COVID, and, and the NBA is just enduring what everybody else endured, you know. So you got to keep that in perspective. You knew, you know, I did a, I wrote a story on them, and, and they knew it was coming. Um, and this is part of the sports is one big drama show, man. It's like one big reality show. And as a journalist, you're a part of it a little bit. Um, yeah. And you go through the ups and downs, the PR nightmares, the PR praise, and everything, the, the content that comes with it. You know, it's just one big reality show. People forget it's not serious. But when you get to matters like this, it becomes more serious because there's health on the line, right? Yeah. So, you know, with the protocols, I think every league has learned a lot. You know, specifically the MLB, who – you know, went through hell with their court protocols, you know, before, you know, anything. And so, you know, uh, the NFL learned. I mean, they postponed a football game three times. I mean, you want to talk about getting hit. The Ravens game was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving yeah. night and was played on a Wednesday. Right. Okay? <laughs> Don't talk to me about coming out of a game, you know. I, 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 as an ad, you know, so it, 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 it hurts. You know, but at the same time, you know, the, the, those protocols, you learn from them. And, right. you know, you look at what the MLB is doing right now, right? They just, you know, released their new protocols. It's coming and it's basically similar to what they've learned with a little bit of tweaks. Um, and the NBA is going through that process. And when you go through that process, you get the drama that goes with it like this, you know. Right. And, um, and, and obviously, you know, they, they probably couldn't handle it better if you if you have some indication of, you know, what, what – your players are doing, maybe it's best to not maybe play them the game. But, you know, the Sixers were disappointed in when they had to play with damn near but six players or seven or something, and, um, right. and and that wasn't fair to them. So, you know, it's a part of it, and now the NBA is going through the whole and, – and when you are so protective of your protocols, right, 
right. now you get to a point where you're trying to be the first. People forget the NBA was the first to cancel a seat or suspend a season. Now they're trying to be the first to have an All Star game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And that's that's having a first, you know, a, a backlash because the players are like, Yo, whoa, 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 wait, wait. You told us we can't even shake hands. Now you want to go play? But right. They get it back down. It gets back down to the business, you know. And you, you got to do it. You know, it is what it is. You know, I saw a quote from Damian Lillard, and he kind of hit it right on the money. You know, you got to do what you got to do. It is what it is. You get paid a, a a high amount of money to go out and perform and do what you do. This is sports entertainment. You're in the entertainment business. You know what right. I'm saying? And and part of the entertainment business, the main part of it is do what. Entertain. Fail to yeah. entertain, and you don't get the money. Um, right. <laughs> so you know that's that's what it, you you are. And so you know, hopefully, I, and I think the NBA is, and they've done a, a good job. You know, in Orlando. I mean, obviously that was in an isolated environment, but I, they know what what to do. And then obviously the vaccine rollout helps. But um, right. you know, this is part of the PR battle of it. But you know, they put on a dope All Star game. You know, and and it's all good. And you see all these great events. This what we're talking about is is a thing of yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Javari, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for your time. No, no problem, John. Thanks for having me, man, and, and I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, I hope everybody out there is, is well and, and safe. Um, and, and now I can say I did something that the great Bob Ryan did, you know, on the podcast, <laughs> the same podcast as the great Bob Ryan, one of my favorite writers, man. Cool, cool dude. Yes, mine too.